With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Telling it as it is, this is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day and welcome to Friday, a day that welcomes everyone. Friday loves the world and it loves you too, and uh, it's reciprocated, is it not? Uh, thank you to Chris Smith, much appreciated. He'll be having a much-deserved weekend, a great weekend, and back here on Monday at TNT. Basil Valentine will be joining us today. Gemma Cooper uh, off today. Uh, we'll be talking to ex-former, I should say, Liberal Party MP uh, from Victoria, Bernie Finn, a terrific character. He's uh, going to be running in the Victorian state election for the Senate and that went very, very close to getting in last time. A terrific fella and somebody who does what other people can only imagine, and that is be a conservative who is actually popular on Facebook. Somehow he avoids being shadow banned and he says some terrific stuff over, you know, 50 or 60,000 very hardcore followers on Facebook and he gets the word out. I don't know how he does it. It's uh, shadow banned central over there, but Bernie Finn can do it and I would suggest he can do it and get elected to the upper house of uh, the Victorian uh, Senate. That would be very nice, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely phenomenal. John Lata of Hoodies Heroes will be joining us a little bit later as well. He is uh, more than a little bit excited what happened up in Queensland with uh, uh, precedents being set and looking very good for uh, people like paramedics and police to be able to return uh, imminently to their jobs. Wouldn't that be absolutely terrific? Would you pay for something that not only you didn't want, but that was absolute rubbish, just absolute rubbish in a world where you can get sued or go to jail because you've built a, a bridge over a stream on your own property because you've upset the rainbow serpent, it would be absolutely no surprise. And here I am advocating for a fellow, one Mark Zuckerberg, believe it or not, because they're forcing him to pay Australian, you know, news, oh, please, you know, the misinformation, disinformation pirates um, to, to include them on Meta or Facebook, whatever you want to call it, and not just because he wants to, but because the government kind of made them do it. I'll just read you. Local publishers, um, so here's Meta, they're refusing to pay. They're just not going to pay anymore um, because the deals that they made with these publishers are ending this year. Local publishers uh, are saying that the decision blatantly ignores the value of their journalism. Do you remember some of their journalism? effective, safe and effective, um, you know, advocating for things that have literally killed people. So, I mean, that's their value. If you're somebody that wants to meet your maker a little bit early, maybe you can tune into some of the mainstream or lamestream news articles, but uh, they won't be renewing the deals, um, apparently, uh, and it's going to be removed. They're going to remove them from Facebook. I think that is terrific. Meta has signed a number of contracts with Australian media companies amid a newly introduced government code. This was before uh, the news media bargaining code, it was called, uh, including Channel 9, the publisher of this particular website. That was off there. Uh, Should the government designate Meta as a digital platform subject to the code, it would be forced into arbitration. That'll be fair, won't it? That'll be really fair and face the possibility of fines. There it is, the coercion. Um, If it does not compensate news, and I use that term so loosely, news really, news publishers, 
WTF I've written as a as a comment next to that, and I think it's rather appropriate. Uh, Meta's decision does not recognise the significant and increasing value of Nine's journalism, uh, unique content and brands to its platforms. That one coming from Nine, Nine's CEO, Mike Sneesby. Uh, uh, yes, neither, uh, I would suggest, Mike, do the viewers. They don't recognise the value of your journalism, the unique content and brands on your platform. And that's why they've just gone in great numbers, a mass exodus, if you will, of biblical proportions, Mike Sneesby. Yes, yes, and I had to, I find it hard to say that without actually sneezing. Uh, we believe that the news media bargaining code provides an appropriate framework for fair value exchange between companies. Well, I would suggest, Mike, where it's fair, it's organic. You would reach out to each other because it would be mutually beneficial. And here's the government coercing, as they like to do, and have uh, you know one of their little psyops, mini psyops, and you're going to get fines, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, if you don't include these creeps on your platform. They reckon they add to the platform. They don't add, and what they what they do add is clickbait uh, stuff. Oh, you know, doesn't um, what's her name? Uh, um, doesn't Madonna look ter terrific? Uh, what about Lizzo? Doesn't Lizzo look ter terrific? I thought it was a whale. It's Lizzo and apparently promoting women who are, are literally morbidly obese and telling young kids that's terrific and it's sexy and you should look like that too. I mean, that's going to kill people. It really is. That is their contribution. Absolute, just utter nonsense. And I think it's terrific. The other thing, and I, I really, I've got like that much uh, paperwork and I could really go on about this. I'm going to have to cut it down to a couple of minutes, but you'd be really excited because the death knell of the EV is here. And I know most of you here and in the online chat, I know that you hate electric vehicles. Whenever Stephen Fennick of techguide.com.au talks about his, people go ballistic in the online chat. They hate them, um, you know, And but the writing's on the wall. And Apple, who have invested the last 10 years, a decade or more, into Project, well, very aptly named Project Titan, well, they've pulled the pin on it. A few staff will remain. Uh, they'll go to their AI, their artificial intelligence division, because you needed AI to get these cars to auto drive. But uh, it's just everyone's just bailing on this complete uh, utter nonsense. I'll just read you some of it. Um, they were hoping to potentially replicate the success of the iPhone. was never going to happen. And its end comes as global automakers cut back their investments in electric vehicles whose demand has dropped significantly. I've got some terrific graphs showing what they predicted <laughs> before, and um, it's topped out. Nobody can afford these things anymore. Uh, car manufacturers are grappling with weaker demands for EVs than expected. No, all the rich people who are, you know, sipping their lattes and in the cafes in Newtown and equivalent suburbs around the world, well, they've bailed because they've already got their Teslas, or and they are a bunch of Toslas, as I like to call them, and buyers have been put off by fears of overcharging um, or overcharging infrastructure and overcharging, which tends to make them blow up, catch on fire. No, they don't catch on fire. They blow up. They explode. And uh, expensive price tags, which is going to be to say nothing of rolling forward and trying to get you know some sort of resale value on any of this. Mercedes-Benz, they've delayed their electrification goal only a week ago. Ford has said it's rethinking its EV strategy and Volkswagen has delayed uh, launching a forthcoming EV itself. In recent months, Audi and General Motors have also reviewed their EV rollouts and purchases of electric cars by private buyers. Buyers fell 25% 
in the year to January. High interest rates, amongst other reasons, being a slowdown. No, that's not what it is. It's part of it, but it really isn't what that is, um, because they can be as much as 10,000, and this is a UK article, 10,000 pounds, so about 20,000 Australian dollars more, and wow, just page after page of stuff you will absolutely love. In fact, I think I'll finish that tomorrow. Um, I think you'll get a real kick out of it because I know how much you lot in the uh, chat and who are listening and watching, I know how much you hate EVs, so I will feed them feed the monster and you'll have a whale of a time, I do promise. And no, I wasn't talking about Lizzo. Then and no, it's not very healthy. About weigh about 180, 190 kilos, and uh, tell everyone that that's good and it's good for your health. It is not good at all. I used to weigh a lot more than I do now, and I'll tell you what, I feel a hell of a lot better and um, doing a lot better as a result of not being like that anymore. Okay, so why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all of the major social platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us to get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time. We're right here at TNT. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good, my friend. And welcome back. Welcome back. We have got not Gemma today, but the wonderful Basil Valentine, who will be giving us an update on the news. Basil, did it ever occur to you ever in your life that not only would you possibly be forced to drive an electric vehicle one day, but that you may actually end up having one? Well, I don't drive, actually. <laughs> I don't oh, drive any an kind easy of vehicle. Night. No, I, I'm very fortunate in that, uh, well, first of all, I failed, uh, I'll be honest with you, I failed five driving tests in my 20s. So uh, I thought God was trying to tell me something, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, I've remained a uh, an avid user of public transport ever since, as well, of course, as... Uh, persuading friends and family to chauffeur me around the country from time to time. I'm very fortunate that where I live in the southeast of England, we actually have a proper public transport system and the buses are diesel powered. Uh, So uh, I'm very, very lucky. I can get around pretty much wherever I want very easily, quickly and cheaply. And uh, even if I had a car, I wouldn't want to drive into my nearest city just five miles down the road because uh, it costs about £25 or 40 Australian dollars or something to park, uh, whereas I get there for $2 on the bus. So it makes absolutely no sense to drive the short distances. But in terms of the car technology, well, you know, I was as excited as everybody else about the idea of electric cars, you know, not to 16, three seconds in a family saloon and supercar performance and uh, <laughs> all this but uh, you know as, as we're all discovering it turns out they're far from the panacea we thought i'd always thought uh, the hybrid technology was the way to go you know the the original prius you can poodle around locally on electric but you've got an internal combustion engine which means that uh, you know you'll always be able to get somewhere your range isn't as limited so on and so forth and fantastic gas mileage out of those things they seem to me the way forward the hybrid. What's wrong with a hybrid? Well, in New Zealand, they are double taxing the hybrid because it's a petrol vehicle and because it's an electric vehicle, they were getting doubly taxed. They're literally cutting the cord to the electric part of the system so they're not paying that double tax. I couldn't believe that story when I heard it. I'm very glad that your buses over there are diesel because, I mean, when you have this giant floor 
full of batteries that could go up like a tinderbox. I mean, I look at some of those electric buses as uh, potential mobile crematoriums. I mean, they're literally horrific. And uh, there was a story uh, recently of a, an electric bus company or a company that had some electric buses. And of course, they only ever have them when a government subsidy is thrown their way. So basically, they get given a few free electric buses. And those things already had teething problems before what, during the trial period. So this whole technology, it's far from finalised and certainly according to demand, it's topped out. I think it's as big as it's ever going to get. If you've got five vehicles charging at the top rate on a supercharger, they are using the equivalent of between 230 and 280 households at any given time. So to suggest that every single car in the world or certainly here in Australia or over there in the UK could be converted to electric, that means our entire electricity grid has to be upgraded. Wow. I mean, by a factor of, I don't know, 10, 20. It's absolutely ludicrous. But um, again, I do agree with you. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't know where all the power is supposed to come from, Dean, for all this electrification. I mean, particularly in the United States, they've got major problems with the grid. And they've talked in the United Kingdom about the possibility of power cuts due to the grid being overextended. You know, we're shutting down all the gas-powered uh, power stations, the coal power stations. We no longer mine coal in the United Kingdom, even though the whole island has basically got huge coal seams running underneath it. Uh, all that's wrong. Instead, we're building nuclear plants, which take about 25 years to come on stream. And of course, uh, I'm not inherently opposed to uh, nuclear power at all, but it is very dangerous. Let's face it, you know, if something goes wrong with a nuclear power plant, uh, we're all in deep, deep doo-doos. So, no, I, the other thing that's worth remembering is that, uh, you know, we've spent 120 years refining the internal combustion engine to a point where it's now more efficient, obviously, than any time in the past, quieter, more powerful. I mean, if you really want to sort of go green, uh, then why not just simply downsize the internal combustion engines, which have become far more powerful than you're allowed to drive on the road? You know, you, all these uh, five, six, seven litre cars boy racers seem to enjoy do, you know, top speeds now, 150, 200 miles an hour are commonplace. There's absolutely no need for that at all. Uh, and obviously reduced speeds mean uh, much lower fuel consumption. So if you want to sort of try and, you know, go obviously in the uh, ecological direction, why not just downsize internal combustion engines and use less petrol that way? Well, mate, they could do that. Or I could say, as Charlton Heston did in regards to his firearms, and when they come to take my V8 twin turbo oh, diesel right. Volkswagen from my cold, dead, cold, dead hands. hands. <laughs> yes. I love it. Basil, exactly. what, what news have you got for us today? Well, there's been something of a political earthquake here in Britain overnight with the election of the maverick George Galloway in the Rochdale by-election. He stood for the Workers' Party of Great Britain, which is a party, effectively, seeking to transplant the Labour Party because there's no difference between the Labour Party and the Conservatives, uh, whether on local issues like... Uh, reopening the maternity ward at the hospital in Rochdale, providing services like public transport, uh, which people rely on in England. Uh, and of course, the Gaza massacres, which are ongoing and which are supported by both the main parties. So George ran on an anti-genocide ticket and also seeking basically to do a bit more, so he claims, 
for ordinary people because the major parties in Britain have completely abdicated any sense of responsibility towards making the lives of ordinary British people better. I'm sure that's something you recognise in Australia as well, Dean. They seem Absolutely. to simply want to make our lives more difficult and expensive. So, you know, it's very difficult in the UK system because of the first past the post that we have. You know, there's no proportional representation. So it's difficult to build a national party that can gain seats at a general election. But in a by-election where it's just one town or one suburb that's voting, a small party can campaign intensively for a month or so, as George did, and upset the apple car. He won very easily, won a 6,000-seat majority. Uh, the Labour vote completely disintegrated. In fact, second place went to another independent candidate. So Workers' Party of Great Britain, who, you know, two months ago nobody had ever heard of, won the seat. And the second uh, most popular candidate was an independent, with the major parties finishing third, fourth and fifth. A plague on all your houses is the resounding <laughs> message from the British electorate. We want change and we demand it, Dean. Absolutely. And with people such as yourself advocating for that change, Basil Valentine, we may indeed get it, mate. Thank you, my friend, uh, for filling in for the wonderful uh, Gemma today. And I look forward to the next time that we get to chat. Cheers, Dean. Great to talk to you. Take care. Coming up after the break, we've got Bernie Finn. He is former Liberal Party uh, MP from Victoria. He will be the Upper House Senate candidate in the upcoming Victorian election. A terrific fella. And you'll find out just how terrific after this. TNT's Chris Smith. Some big news coming out of Britain this morning with an MP, an independent MP, taking an entire dossier with whistleblowers to Metropolitan Police in London to show how crooked the British government was in pushing vaccines, despite the fact that they knew only too well from the contracts that they signed with Moderna and Pfizer that they could be deadly down the track. And we now know how problematic they have been. Well above expectations. Well above expectations. That's not me saying it. That is the latest mainstream study that came out of New Zealand last week. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. Plug in. Website TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. And welcome back to the program. Yes, the EV vehicle. I'm a bit of a hater. I, when I get off on a tangent, when I go off on a tangent, we've went, you know, I just had page after page. And I'm going to finish it tomorrow and just tell you how bad uh, it is for the EV market. I mean, it's gone. It is dead. It is dead in the water. And, you know, you can only put so much money in it. You can only prop it up so far. You can only give out so many subsidies before the money runs out and the jig is up. And by all these electric vehicles, these buses and trucks, wow, they go up like tinderboxes. They're absolutely just ridiculous. Their range is pathetic, absolutely pathetic. I mean, I can get into my V8 twin turbo diesel Volkswagen right now, drive from here in New South Wales, only an hour and a half north of Sydney, right up into Brisbane, hang around, drive around Brisbane for a few days. 
you know, doing what I do and then only have to fill up three quarters of the way home at, at any given place that sells diesel. Could you imagine that trip in an electric vehicle? And uh, it just can't be done. Kevin writes in the online chat, Dean, there will never be enough electricity generated in Australia by renewables for all of us to have a car. The government wants it to fail and reduce us to one car per household. Here, here, Kevin, I could not agree more. And the simple fact is on hot days, they say turn off your air conditioners, five cars supercharging at the same time are the equivalent of 230 to 280 houses running on a given at any given time. Wow, wow, wow. That's what I say, but in a good way about my next guest, Bernie Finn. He is Family First Victorian uh, Victorian lead Senate candidate. He's a political veteran. He was the most vocal conservative member in the Victorian parliament since first taking office back in 1992. He was a beacon of traditional Liberal Party values back when they were fair income. He's a fair income bloke, I can tell you that, uh, which the current leadership has rejected as a result of his strong stance on a number of issues. He was expelled from the Liberal Party back in 2022. A badge of honour, I would suggest, Bernie Finn. Yes, absolutely, Dean, and uh, I'm very grateful for it because they, <laughs> they let me they let me off the hook because the pressure that I was feeling uh, just being in the party at that time uh, was enormous. I I didn't I woke up every morning wondering what sort of lunacy they were going to try and drag me into today, uh, and uh, that was um, uh, something that uh, I, I don't have to worry about anymore. I've got to ask you, and I'm asking this literally, not as a joke. Surely it, may, it must have been the stuff of nightmares to know that, you know, what what crap are they going to come up with next time and knowing that they would ask you to advocate for it, that you would, you know, potentially have to cross the floor at some point when it got too bad, or as you did, speak up and then be pushed out, squeezed out or expelled from the Liberal Party. Yeah, well, look, it was only once uh, I, I crossed the floor. I, I, I attempted to do it twice, but... Uh, in the end, I only did it once, and that was against the uh, conversion therapy legislation, which uh, was a, a, a bill which cut down on, uh, well, cut out religious freedom, uh, cut out uh, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, uh, cut out uh, a, a, the confidentiality uh, between patient and doctor. Uh, you know, it's just an appalling piece of legislation flying in the face of everything that the Liberal Party uh, has ever supported but the Liberal Party decided they would support it. Uh, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and, and I voted against it. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I did speak out on, on conservative issues. And, uh, you know, as, as we've seen up with, uh, what's his name in Queensland, uh, the, um, uh, the, the chap up there who leads the LNP, you know, he, he has told his members that they are not to have conservative views, that they wow. are not to speak out on social issues, uh, that they, they've got to just uh, shut their faces. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know what's, what gets into their heads? I really don't know because this is what the base is about. If, if being a conservative isn't about, uh, uh, you know, uh, telling people what the, the base of the Liberal Party is about, I don't know what is. It's just extraordinary. Well, mate, the last four years, it was like shining a, a light on some cockroaches on the kitchen floor in the dark, mate, and they, they sent all the, all the pretenders, they all went scampering, all the good ones such as yourself, squeezed out so many, so many former, uh, and, and all the good ones, all the best ones are now in minor parties, mate, which we'll get onto that a little bit later. Mate, well, um, I've something you, that... I've got to tell you, I have never, I have never been so relaxed. I have never been so relaxed and comfortable, I could, I could say, if I was going to quote John out. Uh, I, I, you know, I have never felt more at home in my life than I have in Family First uh, over the last uh, little under 12 months. And it's, it's just, I, I just love it. Mate, I, I feel exactly the same being here at TNT. You know, when you're on a commercial radio network of, you know, 60 stations or more and you're the literally the last 
conservative there. Maybe you can imagine all the backstabbing and crap that I had to deal with. And uh, but mate, I just did it. We oh, just do it, don't we? We just go off to work. Yep, yep. Well, I was I was sacked uh, some years ago uh, from a, a metropolitan uh, station here in Melbourne uh, because I was a conservative. Um, well, a word that the, the, the management referred to me as quite constantly, uh, and and uh, I was sacked for that. And um, I, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you that story another day. Mate, uh, and I look forward to hearing it. Mate, just quickly, something I just want to touch upon. I found it rather funny that uh, old mate Sam Dastiari felt the need to come out and tell everybody, it's not <laughs> me they're talking about. I'm not the guy. It's just unbelievable well, uh, because he, well, he immediately sprung to my mind. And whether he's that guy or not, he has basically done uh, things, you know I mean, giving the Chinese, I think it was, a, a heads up that their phones were tapped. I mean, wow. Is that not in the ballpark at least? Well, I would I would have thought that uh, it's, it's guaranteed that if China's involved, the phones will be tapped. Uh, it's guaranteed. And I I remember working up working in Canberra a few years back, and uh, uh, I know that w- w- when um, we started every phone call back to Melbourne, Sydney, wherever we were calling, we would send a cheerio to the boys of the Chinese embassy because uh, we knew they were listening. <laughs> we knew they were listening, uh, and uh, that was that was just a, a you know a done thing. Um, so, you know, nothing, nothing's changed in that time. That's what the Chinese do. We know that. Uh, so uh, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that um, uh, that's, um, that, that, that goes on because uh, it's been going on forever, uh, ever, ever since uh, you know, Mao led the, led the revolution. You know, it's, been, it's been going on. So uh, nobody should get too carried away. But I, 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 I think everybody thought of Sam uh, last night or the day, or the day before. Uh, but uh, there, there are a few others that I've got in mind, and uh, I might just keep those to myself for the moment. But uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I don't want to, I don't want to have a foot off the air. But but um, certainly there are a couple of, of ex prime ministers um, who readily spring to mind. Uh, who uh, who could? In fact, there are there are three ex prime ministers who readily spring to mind. Uh, and uh, you know, I I just hope soon that ASIO will see fit to uh, let us all in on the secret. You know, you can't you can't um, say something like that, and then say, "But I won't tell you who." You know, some somebody's a rat, somebody's a traitor, but we won't tell you who. I mean, what sort of a circus is that? <laughs> Just ridiculous. Well, mate, I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm sure Julian Assange could probably shed some light on, on how it feels to be the person who would be the one to come out and let us know if they didn't want us to. It's absolutely just ridiculous. But mate, yeah, there's a lot of speculation, and when it comes to traitors, you could probably have five guesses and be right five times. Well, I think that's right, and and that's unfortunately true, but but absolutely spot on the money because uh, uh, there are a number of people around who um, have held. Very, very high positions in this country. Uh, he should never have been allowed to get anywhere near the place. Mate, and I, I see you and I are on the same page looking at your Facebook page. The Palestinian people in Gaza are suffering because of Hamas, uh, not because of, of these the Israelis. Mate, just absolutely uh, horrific what, what's going on over there. I wish the whole thing would just come come to an end, you know, yep, yep. Uh, basically. Mate, oh, speaking of which, before you comment on that, I do need to get to a news break and we'll be back with Bernie Finn right on the other side of this. Hang around. This is TNT. What's happening? Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Israeli soldiers have been accused of massacring starving civilians waiting for humanitarian aid in Gaza City. Breaking news in the Middle East. More than 100 people are dead and hundreds injured 
after Israeli forces allegedly opened fire on Palestinians waiting for food aid. Russia's accused the UK of being directly involved in the war in Ukraine, and India's developed a new pill that promises to prevent the recurrence of cancer and reduce the side effects of treatment by up to 50%. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk tnt radio and welcome back and india's got a new pill for cancer if that's real if that works you can bet money that'll get pulled off the shelves you'll you'll never get that anything that works every time i remember um that apparently israel had uh, invented a cure for cancer it was on the front page of all the papers a few years ago anybody ever get that no if they find it it'll get shelved you can absolutely bet your money because big pharma will make more money if they can make more money killing you than they can keeping you alive you're off to meet Jamaica. You can bet your bottom dollar on that, and you do when you get sick. Uh, Bernie Finn is with us. Hey, Bernie, welcome back. That's all right. Good to see you. Good to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm out on the electorate at the moment. I have to explain. Uh, it's been a, been a very, very busy week, and I've got another busy week coming up next week uh, down in Gippsland, uh, which I'm particularly looking forward to. But the, the campaign, as far as I'm concerned, for the next uh, federal election is, is, is in full swing, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm really getting into it. Mate, absolutely. Uh, mate, I'll, I'll skip that. I'll skip that last thing because, uh, in light of what's happened in the last twenty-four hours, which I think is an absolute disgrace um, over in Gaza, mate, I'll skip talking about that all altogether. Mate, uh, your run with family first, um, mate. It's coming up. When do you estimate? I know it's hard to say at this point. When do you think that the Victorian uh, state election will be? Well, I don't know about the Victorian. Well, I do know about the Victorian election. That's November twenty twenty-six. That will be the. Oh, it's actually set. Is it actually set? Is it? Yes, it is November. The last, the last Saturday in November, uh, or is it the third Saturday? It might be the third Saturday in November in uh, in 2026. Every every four years they have that. Uh, but I'm I'm just waiting now for Albo to um, to make up his mind. Uh, when whenever Albo feels like he can win, that's when he'll call the election. And uh, I'm not uh, I'm not mucking around. I'm I'm getting around and talking to people now because uh, really it could be any time from from about May onwards, as far as I'm concerned. If he, if he sees an opportunity, he will take it. Uh, he, he will be off to the Governor-General, and uh, he will be uh, we're calling a, um, um, a, a federal election. I don't think it will be a double dissolution, but I think there will be an early federal election if, uh, if Albo thinks he can win, uh, because he's, he's desperate to win, but he's also at the moment very desperate. I mean, we've got, we've got a by-election here in Melbourne, uh, tomorrow, uh, which is going to be uh, you know a hair's breadth between the two, uh, and uh, we, we nobody quite knows what the result of that will be at this point. Nobody can can say with any certainty, uh, but uh, we we do know it's it's going to be a, a squeaker, uh, and it might be that um, that Labor will lose that seat. Hey, Albo. If he's waiting to pick his moment, I hope he's not holding his, his breath. I think the pub test was pretty clear at the tennis, and I love his response basically saying that, you know, all the Australian Prime Ministers have copped that at one point. I don't ever remember Ben Chifley um, copping no, a big no. mass booing out in public. Well, I've got to say the last person that I heard get that sort of reception, I was at the MCG one day at a Richmond uh, Western Bulldogs game, and they showed Julia Gillard on the big screen. Oh. And uh, <laughs> the crowd didn't the crowd give her what for? <laughs> I haven't heard it since uh, until until Albo went to the tennis. Uh, and I, you know, tennis tennis patrons are generally speaking more refined than we football goes. 
so you would you wouldn't have expected that, but um, they uh, they got God, they let him have it. That's for sure. He certainly uh, got a message from the top end of town that mm. particular. Mate, what was with Julia Gillard's accent? Where was that from? I've never heard another Aussie I who wasn't it bunging was, it on it with that particular North accent. Adelaide. I think it was from Is North Adelaide. Is that where? I'm, I'm not, I think it was from North Adelaide. The only thing I can put it down to, because it certainly wasn't from the western suburbs of Melbourne, because she, she never <laughs> lived there. Uh, so I, she represented there allegedly, but she never actually um, never actually uh, lived there, to my knowledge. Uh, she had a, she she bought a house there, but. Um, and in terms of living there, I don't think that was uh, was something that she really concerned herself with. Pretty pretty much like uh, all the Labor members in the West, um, they don't actually live there, and that's uh, a, a sad reality of life, unfortunately, uh, here in in Victoria. And I think probably uh, in a lot of places. I hey, wouldn't it be lovely if they were forced to live in their own electorate rather than just parachute a ghost in to uh, yeah, a property yeah. that's in in your name. Well, I have always lived in my own electorate, uh, and, at, and at one stage, I remember many many years ago. Uh, in the uh, the city of Broadmeadows, and Broadmeadows is a rock-solid Labor uh, area uh, and has been for, for decades, for generations, in fact. Uh, I was the only the only member of Parliament that represented that area who actually lived there, and, uh, and I was a Liberal. So, you know, that, was, uh, that, that said a lot about the Labor Party's attitude uh, to those people who they take for granted, and, and, and that's, what, that's what they continue to do. They will continue to do, and they and they're doing it now in Dunkley. I mean, you you've got the Labor candidate uh, in Dunkley um, who's talking about white privilege and and talking about oh. people who voted against the voted against the the referendum as being uh, you know promoting white privilege. Fifty six percent of people in Dunkley voted no. So uh, if fifty six percent of people listen to what she says uh, and uh, and take it on board, she's history. She's toast. Uh, white and, uh, privilege. Well, as I say, we'll find that out tomorrow. But that's what she said. She said it's, it's all about white privilege. White uh, privilege. And I, uh, you I, know, I, try, try and get a lead role in Hollywood. Try and get a, a government job if you're a, a white middle-aged male and you'll see how much yeah. white privilege you have. Absolutely zero. In fact, you could well, not I, have... I've got none. I've got none. I'd love some. If, <laughs> if, you know anybody that's sell, if you know anybody that's selling some cheap, give me a call because I'd like to get some. Mate, and on top of all that, we get sunburned easier than, than anybody well, else. There, there's that your white privilege out, out yeah. the bloody window. <laughs> mate, now, we're quickly, we're going to talk about, mate, you will be getting your show on the road. You will be out campaigning, letting everyone know what you advocate for. Um, how's that going to kick off? When and where well, can people see you about the place? We've been at it already. Uh, yesterday, I was in Lower Plenty. Uh, this next week, uh, which is in the northeastern suburbs of uh, Melbourne, today I've been in the west. And the north, the northwest. Um, and next week, I'm going to be in Gippsland, uh, visiting um, uh, Lee and Gaffer. Not not Lee and Gaffer. Visiting. Uh, um, oh, I'm just just trying to think of where I'm going now. Uh, Albost and Bensdale. That's where I'm going. Um, and I'm visiting, uh, doing doing some media along the way as well. So uh, it, it's going to be a pretty big week. But that's just uh, going to be uh, pretty typical from here on in. Getting out and, and doing what I really, really love to do. Um, and that is talking to real people about the problems and the issues that they have. And uh, coming coming from the bush myself, you know, being being raised on a farm, um, I'm, I'm getting out uh, to to meet some of the the people who uh, are in the rural areas who who, to my way of thinking, have a lot of common sense on a lot of things. And uh, I'm looking forward to to hearing what they have to say about a whole range of things. Generally speaking, I think they're going to be pretty blunt. Uh, they, they won't be they won't be mincing their words. And quite frankly, at the minute. I don't blame them. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things to be blunt about, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and hearing what they have to say and uh, 
probably agreeing with them uh, about 110 percent well mate let's hope when they go to the ballot ballot box they pass the iq test and we'll know that because if you get in and we find you back into politics we'll know that they absolutely pass that particular test here in australia mate because uh we need some good people advocating and we have very very few of them and uh you're somebody that i would absolutely put pen to paper and put a tick next to bernie finn I wish you every success. And of course, we'll talk between then and now. But uh, everybody out there who is in Victoria, if you see Bernie Finn out and about, go up, say good day, shake his hand and uh, have a listen to what he's got to say. I'm sure you will be suitably impressed. Bernie Finn, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, we will, Dean. Good on you, mate. I appreciate it. And uh, you, uh, you uh, look after yourself. Take care. Okay, coming up after yeah, the break, we're going to be talking to John Latter of Hoodies Heroes. He's got a lot to say. He'd be very excited about what's just happened up in Queensland. Precedents shall be set. And, it, well, I'm hoping that expectations will be met. We'll find out uh, what John Latter has to say here at TNT right after this break. My name's Stacy. I'm 57, and I was adopted in 2020. We were adopted in 2019. And we were adopted in 2021. We had a house. Um, and it sounds crazy, but it wasn't a home. The one thing that Jake and Emma brought is it became a home. When I met Dakota, he had just turned 14. You weren't there for the first this and the first that. I missed the first words, but we got a lot of other firsts. I'm watching her say, oh my God, I cannot believe I got my license. And she's like, I passed. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> See them grow. It is. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us family you and you kids in the middle what i thought was a complete life was nowhere near complete <laughs> but it is now learn about adopting a teen from foster care you can't imagine the reward visit adoptuskids.org need a ride yeah driving with kids is a big responsibility hop in and buckle up so don't sweat the small stuff you got paint all over our paper Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Oh, you are indeed with Dean Mackin. You're also with John Lada and... Uh, I'm just going to do a quick live read before I forget. Sorry, I did forget. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what the others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. We're crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinions all day and night. In the two and a half years that TNT has been around, we've become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant staff and hosts. It's a critical time, so we must now call out the misinformation and the propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful, and boy, don't they have some powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world uh, to go to the TNTradio.live site and make a small donation, if you can, uh, as we seek the right investors to continue our important mission here at TNT and also spread the word. Let people 
know what we are on about and the fact that we're breaking the news, the truth here, you're not going to get that in the lamestream media. You will get it from people like John Larder, though. John Larder is a former paramedic. He found himself sacked by New South Wales Ambulance for failing to comply with mandatory vaccination orders and subsequent policies. As a result, he took the health minister, health hazard, or Brad Hazard, as he is uh, lesser known, to the New South Wales Supreme Court to fight what can only be described as medical apartheid. And it certainly was. He's passionate about politics. He's uh, Snowy Valley's councillor and was previously elected as mayor of Tumut, uh, don't know how you, Tumut, I would imagine you pronounce that, Shire Council. John Larder, how are you? Mate, going well, uh, Dean, and uh, great to be with you again, mate, and great to be on TNT Radio. You're doing a bonzer job. Mate, thank you. I just got to quickly cover my butt before I go on. I, mate, I never, ever should say something before I read. You know when you scroll, you get half a post and you don't see the bottom? I was talking to Bernie Finn and I said, we're on the right page because I saw a post that he put up, the Palestinian people in Gaza are suffering, and then I read the rest of it because of Hamas, not the Israelis. I'm thinking, no, 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 I saw what happened in the last 24 hours. I, I, I think that was the Israelis. I don't think Hamas had too much to bloody do with that. So uh, that's why I dropped that particular thing and didn't go on with it. I just wanted to clean that up before I went on with you. Sorry, mate. Um, mate, uh, lots going on up in Queensland. Mate, those uh, mandates as put forward for the police, we, we knew that they weren't lawful back then, took a court to recently uh, say that is the case. I'm hoping that's going to open the door for a lot of new legal cases and a lot of people going back to the jobs that they used to love. Well, Dean, uh, I heard you say medical apartheid, and, and isn't that the truth? Uh, Lyndall Dean, the Deputy Commissioner uh, of the Fair Work Commission, uh, made a dissenting judgment a couple of years back and was uh, essentially uh, thrown out of uh, dealing with any further vaccine cases. I mean, doesn't she look like a national hero today? Uh, after this Supreme Court judgment uh, up there in Brisbane. And, uh, well, if, if anyone should get an Order of Australia medal, it's uh, those, two, those two judges. And Kerry Chant, you should hand yours back because you're a disgrace. Uh, you shouldn't, shouldn't even be mentioned in the word Order of Australia. Uh, you and so many others like that Brett Sutton and all these other grubs. Uh, dreadful, dreadful stuff. But uh, let's hope, Dean, that, that there is a bit of... Uh, common sense as a result of this. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it, it flows on to uh, other states. But the problem is, as Tony Nikolic has said uh, on our Club Grubbery program with Hoodie, uh, the, the law is different in New South Wales. That's why we had to go down the common law path. The, the other states have some sort of human rights uh, uh, law embedded into their, into their state laws, which allowed that judgment to be made. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't exist in New South Wales. So we'll just have to hope that they uh, they also uh, at some point think that uh, it was against human rights. Good to see Nick Coatesworth uh, on the Today Show admit that uh, they he got it wrong in relation to mandates, and uh, I, I think that that's that's a pretty good a pretty good start. Mate, wouldn't it be nice if instead of saying they got it wrong, they said what we've learned from this? is next time we're going to open up the the um, the whole scale of things to the other side, the side that they're telling us got it wrong or is getting it wrong, because last time they all got it right. They were like 30 for 30. So maybe next time if they could just open it up, let people make up their own minds. But that's one thing that mainstream media don't like. They don't want you to have your opinion. They want you to have theirs. Well, I, I wrote to Dr Dominic Morgan, the Chief Executive of New South Wales Ambulance, and he's Head of Communi Communications and Marketing uh, 
uh, wrote back to me this afternoon and said that he's not available on this occasion to uh, come on yep. and speak about uh, the decisions up in Queensland. But look, I think that there'll be some earthquakes going through those buildings. I mean, that's that's a pretty substantial decision. Uh, Justin Poor, who's a uh, former state of origin uh, footballer, played for uh, uh, New South Wales and uh, Parramatta and St George. He's been uh, trying to get back into the police and uh, he was sacked. Karen Webb, who uh, is another disgrace, uh, needs to resign. Yep. She's uh, stonewalling him and others like Natalie Vasalo and so many other police from coming back. And Tony Nicolick at AFL Solicitors is really fighting the good fight. The police association is just completely silent, as uh, have been all these unions. I mean, I, I, I don't know how these unions are, are going to get away with this. This judgment should really scare the pants off them because I, I think they are really in the firing line for uh, civil action. Yeah, mate, Tony Nicolick, what a t- terrific guy from AFL solicitors. We had him on a couple of days ago, mate, and he's not just helping people, mate. He's a guy, you know, he'll do pro bono work. If, if you've been hard done by or you know somebody who's really suffering as a result of anything during that that COVID pandemic, uh, you know, get, get in touch with Tony and he'll he'll look after you. That is absolutely for sure. But, mate, I, I just hope that, you know, here we are, you know, getting people wanting to go back to their old jobs. Mate, you would, especially in the police force, where they've replaced probably two-thirds of those, those officers and they've replaced them with people who fit the new model. And I would suggest that those ones that left were the good, hardcore, old-school coppers that we really wanted in there. So, mate, they're not going to recognise the job when they get back there, if they get back there. Well, look, Dean, uh, we're in a state of woke crisis, aren't we? I mean, 11-year-olds are walking into police stations and taking the keys off the hook uh, and driving the police cars out of the uh, out of the compounds. I mean, you know, th- this this country's gone to uh, gone to hell in a handbasket. I mean, I, I don't know where you start and finish. I mean, I heard the other day from uh, my good mate Derek Fox that uh, uh, schools are now putting kitty litter kitty litter into the uh, in, into the public schools. Uh, for those kids in high school that identify as pussycats. <laughs> I know, and I shouldn't laugh because it's it's actually quite odd. If I took that too seriously, I'd actually probably cry, but it's horrific. It really, it's beyond horrific. The mental damage, anyone that understands basic psychology, you are doing irreversible damage at the most vulnerable age possible to these young kids. And where's Kerry Chant? Does she just think it's all right as the chief health officer that somebody's going to come into a public school toilet and have a crap into a kitty litter? I mean, she's she's not the full deck of cards. Mate, mate, I remember those daily things with with her and Health Hazard, and I mean, just having to look at her and and to listen to him, the most arrogant person that oh. I I can think comes to mind. I remember a couple of altercations between him and Mark Latham, and I'm thinking, I'm so glad that or Hazard should be very happy that was. You know, Mark Latham, not myself, because, mate, Mark Latham, how he controlled himself during those altercations, I do not know, but all, all power to him. He did rather well. He was amazing. Uh, yeah, he, he's an arrogant. Um, and, look, now he's the chairman of CareFlight. I mean, this stuff just rolls on and rolls on. It's just a gravy train, isn't it? He's not happy enough with the $300,000 a year pension from the public purse. Now he wants to uh, be the chairman of CareFlight. I mean, I, I just cannot believe this stuff. But anyway, this this is the world we live in. I mean, if it's not that, it's these morons down at CASA, uh, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. I mean, how, how that Pip Spence uh, maintains a job. I mean, she was in Senate estimates being questioned by Senator Malcolm Roberts, and, and she just happened to, you know, forget that half, the, half of her board and uh, the executives are on Chairman's Lounge memberships. 
And when questioned, uh, she doesn't think that it's even a, a, um, a, a conflict of interest or a perceived conflict of interest that, that the regulator, the people in charge of aviation in Australia, have got memberships to the Qantas and the, and the Virgin lounges, uh, drinking sh French champagne, a la carte, massages, hot showers, whenever they like. These people are on another planet. John, the fish rots from the head down. I mean, we've got former Prime Minister Scott Morrison waited 20 out of the mandatory 18 months so he could now get a job uh, after, you know, $300-plus billion to AUKUS. Now he's part of the military-industrial complex with a real cushy, very well-paid job as a spin-off of that. I mean, this stuff is absolutely just brown paper bag in your face. It's horrific. And, and here we are. I mean, we can't even get a warship to go anywhere. But this idiot in charge of this country, Albanese and his defence minister, they, they can they can turn a fleet of uh, RAAF aeroplanes into VIP uh, things with Italian carpet, marble bathrooms. You, 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 apparently, it's it, you've got to see it to believe it. What's on these aeroplanes? And and this Miles turned this KC one hundred and thirty tanker into an executive uh, uh, thing, something that was only fit for the royal family to fly to watch the cricket in India. And and uh, Albanese. He's going to uh, Taylor Swift concerts. I mean, it's just beyond. It, it really is. I mean, he's, I think he spent more time out of the country than in the, he's almost like a like a guest, a guest, a guest. Prime minister that we have here. Mate, and these hypocrites, the it's hypocrisy on freaking steroids, these people mm. advocating that, you know, we ditch our V8s and get little four-cylinders huh? or EVs or hybrids, and there they are jet-setting. Haven't they heard of Skype? Haven't they heard of Zoom? You know? Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, you just you shake your head, really. I, I, I don't know where you start and finish with this stuff, but uh, yeah, look, it's 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 complete madness. This country is is going mad, and we need to take it back. And I, I said to uh, uh, Hoodie and I were interviewing some paramedics uh, last night, and look, I I think Peter Dutton really needs to come forward with some bold ideas, and I, I think something that might work, and he should uh, maybe look at look at this is is tearing these uh, assets away from the states, and by that I mean. Uh, instead of having, um, you know, five different ambulance services, five different police authorities, let's just have the Commonwealth deal with the whole lot. I mean, it's like having different train tracks in every every state jurisdiction, isn't it? Um, you know, these these states are drunk on power. And they've demonstrated that they're incapable of managing uh, money. They're incapable of managing uh, human resources. I mean, the, the, the federal sphere is no better. Uh, but, uh, look, I think if you were to at least... Uh, have one ambulance service on a uh, on a federal award so that you didn't have any of this mandatory, you've got to have this, you've got to have that, because, I mean, they were able to escape all those uh, uh, mandatory vaccine requirements because they're on a, on a federal award. So they, they, they never had to uh, they never had to roll their sleeve up. I mean, this is like politicians. It's just, you know, someone should smell a rat. Mate, and it's horrific. Well, I mean, what's going on? And that's good what you say, because, I mean, we've had uh, states like Queensland poaching uh, paramedics from other states, 10 grand to come up here, extra 10 or 20 grand a year. I mean, yep. why would you not? And that that, that then leaves to states like South Australia with an ambulance ramping, going, what, seven, eight hours, people literally that we know now for a fact have died in the back, or no, not even, they didn't even get to the ambulance, waiting at home seven hours for that ambulance to offload to the hospital. Mate, so these people keeping these mandates in place, they literally have killed people. I mean, it, it, what is that if not murder? What is it? I don't know what it is. Well, I was speaking to Steve Kelly yesterday. Uh, has has there ever been a an autopsy done by a coroner to check for uh, the cause of death uh, 
to 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 the spike proteins. I mean, they've got the technology. Have they done it? No, they have not. Uh, so once again, they're just sweeping all this stuff under the carpet. I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous now. Even the ambulance service. I mean, if you had seen somebody as a patient, uh, as a doctor within the previous six months, then it didn't have to go to the coroner's uh, for an autopsy. You, you, the, the practitioner could say, okay, I've been treating this patient. I've seen them in the last six months. Uh, they've got uh, prostate cancer. Yeah, I'm happy to sign the death certificate. But they've now changed the rules. So you, you don't even have to have seen a patient as a doctor within the last six months and, and, and they can still write out the death certificate. I mean, you <laughs> It's beyond belief what's going on. You talk about the lack of autopsies and, and you know the look at into excess deaths and everything else, mate. And it's what they don't say and what they don't do that is mm. far more telling than anything that they have said or done. Well, hundred percent. And look what's going on at a federal level, uh, Dean. You know we've got uh, up until recently, and I know you guys and uh, certainly Hoodie and I have put a lot of pressure on people like Jackie Lambie and Lydia Thorpe in relation to their voting habits, uh, asking for excess uh, deaths uh, inquiries. I mean, what politician uh, in Australia uh, could could go back to the polls and ask to be re-elected after voting down to have an inquiry into why people are dying? Uh, it's just it, like you just couldn't make this stuff up. It's mad. I, I, I made a bit of a joke. We were on uh, Clive's boat as, you know, UAP candidates having lunch with him, and I made a bit of a, a, a joke at Clive's expense suggesting he was responsible for letting Jackie Lambie loose on the community. Uh, every, everyone liked that joke at the table. I don't think Clive was overly impressed with it. Speaking of UAP, mate, you'd be pretty happy, I would imagine, with uh, Craig Kelly jumping ship to, to One Nation, uh, making that a real powerhouse moving forward. Well, I think um, I think Malcolm Roberts would be pretty buoyed by that too. I mean, Craig Kelly is a real powerhouse. I mean, uh, a lot of people are um, are quite critical of of Craig, but when you get to know him, uh, he, he's a really genuine person, and uh, he's got this country uh, right at uh, his heart. And 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 I know that from from having had conversations with him and Hoodie. Uh, he he's a wonderful uh, humanitarian, and he was one of the very first politicians to call all this stuff out. He's oh, absolutely. A, He's got a very good political radar and he's a lot of common sense. And, uh, yeah, I wish him all the best. I think he'll be a good fit down there. Uh, I just hope he gets on, on all right in the longer term with Pauline. Oh, mate, uh, like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of One Nation. I'm a big fan of most of their candidates. I love Malcolm Roberts. He's a mate of mine. But um, Pauline's th throwing a few people under the bus and some really good people, you know, uh, some for the right reason, some not. Um, that's a whole conversation for another day. But, mate, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I, I think Mark Latham should have been allowed to, to stay there in the party. I think that was a massive mistake. Having said that, he never needed One Nation to, to get that position. I mean, I, I, I never considered to be him of One Nation, only with them on paper. He was always a guy that's always going to stand um, on his own two feet and a much stronger character than Pauline Hanson. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to take orders from the boss when you know when you should be the boss, but that that would be the case with Malcolm Roberts too. I would love to see him as the leader of One Nation at some point because mate, it would be that would be a party that I mean would be unstoppable. He he was uh, magnificent in this Senate estimates uh, questioning this Pip Spence. I mean there now has to be a real uh, a, a forensic review of what's going on at Casa. Uh, they they are a disgrace. They've wrecked as many lives. Uh, in the aviation industry with their practices, not just in relation to COVID, but the way that they've managed aviation over many years. And I mean, there's many experts that have worked for CASA outside of CASA that will testify 
that that's the case. The industry is not very supportive of uh, of the executive team at CASA. So there's a lot to uh, unfold there. And I, I, I know Ben Morgan from the uh, Australian uh, Pilots Association uh, has uh, done some magnificent work in uh, calling them to account. And uh, Leah, let's let's look at that as well. It's something that Hoodie is also very passionate about. And we'll keep keep working on that. Well, John Leiter, uh, you're an absolute legend. Uh, you and Hoodie, mate, say good day to inform me part of Hoodie's Heroes together. You can catch John Leiter as John Leiter triple zero. He's got the blue tick of approval from Twitter. He's certainly got a big tick of approval from all of us as well here at TNT. John Leiter, thanks. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Everybody stick around. Sonia Poulton coming up after this. I hope you have the best weekend ever. I'll catch you all on Monday. Take care.